Uh, good, to, good to have uh, you here this morning. Uh, this is the morning uh, you secretly wish your pastor had been raised in Tennessee instead of Michigan. Um, uh, so we're uh, glad that you're here. I do, uh, uh, you know, Cheryl will tell you that when these weather Sundays kind of roll around, uh, for whatever reason, I'm still kind of evaluating what this is. It's, it's one of the hardest decisions for me to make, honestly. And I, I'm not sure why that is about whether or not uh, we should have our, our services. And uh, in this particular case, I shoveled my driveway and at about 10 a.m. yesterday, and the, the worst of the snow had supposedly come through at that point. Uh, and I thought, man, full 24 hours before church, we, we should be good. But I, I was surprised by the condition of the roads when I came in that they weren't totally clear yet. So uh, we appreciate y'all uh, coming out. And uh, go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew 5. Uh, we're going to continue on uh, in, the, uh, in this uh, Red Letter series, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, today uh, we're going to be studying uh, what's traditionally called the Beatitudes, and we'll go ahead and post the message online um, for, uh, that, that people can still kind of keep up with the series that uh, are still kind of plowed in or, or unable to get out. So I, I want to start out our time together by having you think about um, the moments in your life uh, when you would describe yourself as happy when you were kind of overcome with that emotion or, or that feeling, those moments when you would describe yourself as happy, all right? So probably uh, we, we'd get several different reactions to that. Maybe one would be your wedding day. I, I know that, that's one that, that I would describe that way of just uh, a day where I was really happy. And for us, it also happens to be um, the, the night of our wedding, Cheryl got dehydrated and got really sick. Uh, that didn't make me happy, but she, uh, she ended up in the hospital that night. And so the next morning, we ended up kind of sleeping all that off. We slept for about eight hours uh, after she got discharged from the hospital and got some fluids. And I, I will remember uh, the next day we left for our honeymoon, uh, which was going to be in Pennsylvania. And we were driving and there was something about kind of being through the wedding and kind of navigating that hospital situation that we got in the car and we, we drove away. And I just remember this very peaceful feeling coming over me, like it is good to be leaving town. Uh, I remember bringing our children home, uh, this kind of overwhelmed just feeling of happiness. Uh, I remember moments on vacation of, uh, this will sound very appealing to some today, but uh, going to a warm environment in February, right? There's just something really cool about that. When you get off the plane or you get out of the car or whatever and being in a warm environment. I remember going to cooler environments in June and July. And there's also something about that, that when you're in the middle of heat and you get out and it's, you know, 60 instead of 90, you know, there, there's something that, that brings a smile to my face in that. So think about yours for a minute. Is it a great vacation or a job you got or a year-end review uh, that, that was better than expected? Whatever the moment is, here's, here's what I want you to know. As great as happiness is and as wonderful as it feels, God wants to do something in our life that is greater than happiness. And I want you to remember that phrase. We're going to be kind of in that phrase throughout this sermon, that what he wants to do is greater than happiness. So we're going to look at this text uh, called the Beatitudes, um, attitudes that God kind of blesses and, and works through. And uh, uh, we're, we're right at the beginning of this kind of message, uh, of the series of messages on the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to be in Matthew 5 through 7. Um, uh, throughout the course of, of uh, the, the winter. We're going to be in it right up until around Easter. And so uh, we've got these texts printed uh, in the bulletin. So you can kind of read along and follow along uh, ahead of time as we go through the series. And I'd encourage you to do that. So here's what Jesus says in Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So you got several Beatitudes here, and I think we can kind of fit them into three-ish categories. All right, uh, the first category I would call our relationship to Jesus, our relationship to God. So blessed are those, if I can rephrase just for a minute, blessed are those who are reliant on Jesus. Blessed are those who are humble before him. Blessed are those who recognize their sin and mourn over it. They know they cannot save themselves. They know they cannot earn their salvation. They desperately need Jesus. So that's kind of one category of, of blessing. The other is our relationship to others, right? So blessed are those who seek to live the way Jesus lived and treat people the way Jesus treated them, right? They are merciful, pure, peacemakers, and meek. So relationship to others. And then there's this third category of perseverance. Blessed are those who refuse to give up and refuse to give in. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. They don't give up even when the consequences in this life come, when they are insulted, persecuted, and lied about. They refuse to give up right? So you got three categories of, of, uh, of, of beatitude, three categories of blessing. These are the attitudes, these are the actions that God blesses. Those who are reliant on Jesus, those that treat others the way Jesus would want them to be treated, and those who persevere, they are blessed. And here's the truth up on the screen for us this morning. Jesus wants to bless our lives, right? That's one of the, the points of this text, is that Jesus wants to bless our life. And here's what I want you to see is that blessing, blessing is different than happiness, right? Happiness is an emotional response to something that we feel based on our experiences. As a matter of fact, um, happiness uh, actually carries with it uh, the root word uh, happenings or happenstance. So happiness is based on an experience that we're having. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you have a pleasant experience, if you have a good experience, it is good to feel happy about it. Happiness is based on our happenings or our experiences. But here's what's true about happiness. While it's fine to feel that way when you have a good experience, happiness makes a terrible God. Right? And happiness makes a terrible thing to build our whole life on. And, and that's exactly what it is. It's a good feeling that flows from good experiences. Right? And, and uh, the, the problem then with happiness because of that is that if happiness is a good feeling that comes from good experiences, here's what can happen. When the experience changes, so does our feeling of happiness. So it's fragile. And we've all experienced this before. You get a good review from your boss. You feel good. The next day, he yells at you for being late. Not so good. Right? You have an incredible vacation and you're feeling great. You come home to a stack of bills. Right? Not feeling so great. You get a new job, awesome. Your coworker is psychotic, not so awesome, right? And, and this is exactly how happiness works. It's fragile because it's based on our happenings and it's based on our experiences. Blessing is different. So one of the, thing, the ways that the, uh, the Bible describes blessing, I've talked to you about this before, is if you can imagine like a father uh, who maybe senses the end is near, that, that he's about to pass from this life to the next. It's a father kind of calling his children in. 
and he calls them in and he gives them their inheritance. He blesses them. Um, so one of the things that we learn about the Beatitudes is that these are gifts from God to his children. So because of that, the Beatitudes aren't fragile at all, right? Nobody, no, no, uh, nobody can take them away from you. Your circumstances cannot change your blessing because it's from God, right? So in a terrible economy, you may lose your job and still feel blessed. Economy can't take away your blessing. It's from God. Right? You may have a really, really bad day. Everything may go wrong, but you can still feel blessed. A bad day can't take away your blessing. It's from God. Right? You may go through a, a difficult season with your children. Kids can't take away your blessing. It is from God. Because they are from God, your circumstances cannot take them away. Right? So happiness is a feeling that comes from good experiences. Blessing is a good feeling that comes as the result of a good God. Right, so I want you to see the difference between those two things. This is why Joseph in the Old Testament was able to articulate that he was blessed despite being in prison unjustly. Right, this is why Job described himself as blessed even though he had lost everything. This is why Moses described his quality of life as blessed when he wandered the desert for 40 years. It's why Paul was able to write in prison, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Where does that attitude come from? Where does that strength come from? It comes from an understanding that just because I'm not happy right now does not mean I'm not blessed. And those are two very different things because despite what has happened to me, he is still God, I am still his child, and he blesses me. So the word blessed here in the Beatitudes is a kind of interesting Greek word, uh, mykorios, and um, the way it could literally be translated, I'll put it on the screen for you, is this, more than happy. More than happy. All right, so it's kind of interesting word. So if you read through uh, the text, I, I just want to show you this a little bit. More than happy are the poor in spirit. What's the blessing? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. More than happy are those who mourn. You would never say those who mourn are happy. That would be ridiculous. They're more than happy. And what is the blessing? They are comforted by God. More than happy are the meek. What is the blessing? They will inherit the earth. More than happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What is the blessing? They will, be, they will be filled. More than happy are the merciful. They will be shown mercy. More than happy are the pure in heart. They will see God. More than happy are the peacemakers. They will be called sons of God. And more than happy are those who are persecuted. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, you may have noticed something. You may have noticed that many of these beatitudes are not something that we would search after or run after if our primary focus in life was to be happy. Many of the things in the list that lead to God's blessing are not necessarily pleasant, fun, or enjoyable. So one of the things we learn about God for his children is that he shows up during these seasons that are difficult. Seasons where we're mourning, right? Seasons where we're taking a stand for what is right. God shows up in the difficult and he brings blessing. Right? But you'll notice a lot of these things would never be described as pleasant or fun or enjoyable, but God shows up and brings blessings. So when I was growing up, my parents uh, became Christians uh, pretty much the year I was born, and uh, we started going to church. Um, and uh, it was very, very important to my parents. My dad was an elder in our church eventually. It was very important to them that we be in church every single Sunday. 
And uh, some of you grew up this way, but we weren't just in church on Sunday. We were in church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. If the custodian was cleaning the glass, we took our pew up and we watched, right? We were in church, right? That's just how our family operated. And uh, it was a different time as well. Um, people were less busy, but that, that was the center of our social circle, circle. And church really isn't that anymore. But at the time, that's what it was. Church was the center of social life. And so we, we were there all the time. And you might imagine as a young boy growing up, all right, I hope this doesn't shock you, but there were times where I didn't want to go to church. And I, would, I could not go to my parents. I just didn't feel free to do this and say, I'm not going to church. I don't want to go, right? My parents would laugh and say, get in the car, right? So what I would do instead is I'd play the sick card, right? I, I'm not feeling sick. And I heard a stand-up comedian talking about this one time, and I really, really resonated with it. He, he talked about that when he didn't want to go to church, he would say to his mom, mom, I'm sick. And she would say, have you thrown up? And he would say, well, no. And she said, doesn't sound like you're too sick. Let's go to church. But if he went to his mom and said, mom, I'm sick. And she'd say, have you thrown up? And he'd play the card. Yeah, I threw up this morning. Now, don't you feel better? Let's go to church, right? <laughs> and and that, that's, that's, that, I resonated with that because that's how my mom was as well, right? That we are going. And so you might imagine that there are times where I was sitting in church and I wasn't super happy about it. I wasn't super pleased. But now that I look back on my life and I see the role that my godly parents played and their example of being faithful, I can look back on that and say, that didn't make me happy, but it was a blessing. And I'm glad they, and I'm glad they, they, took that, they took that role in my life. And I'll tell you my concern. My concern is that in this culture of ours, we are running after happiness we're running after happiness. And here's my concern, is that in our pursuit of happiness, we are actually running away from blessing, right? This is my concern, is that in our pursuit of happiness, that happiness is so important and has been for a long time in our culture. In our pursuit of happiness, we are unintentionally, all right? We would never do this on purpose. We are unintentionally running away from blessing. Let me give you an example. Blessed are those who mourn. Right? Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who feel bad about the decisions they've made, the sins they've committed. Blessed are those who are completely reliant on Jesus because they know they're sinners and they know they need grace. Right? So blessed are those who mourn. Well, in this culture, I don't want to feel bad about what I've done. Right? I'd rather point out what, you, what the bad things that you've done. And so in our pursuit of running toward happiness, of not wanting to feel bad, we end up running away from blessing because blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Well, in this culture, we kind of want to live out our own truth and our own sense of right and wrong. And in our pursuit of happiness, we're running away from God's blessing. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy, but I don't want to forgive. I'd rather make them pay. That makes me feel better. And so in our pursuit of happiness to what we think is going to make us happy to not show mercy, we're actually running away from blessing. Blessed are the meek. Right? Blessed are those who are humble, but I want them to know I'm right, and I want them to know they're wrong. And so we run away from blessing. And listen, I don't want you to misunderstand. There's nothing wrong with being happy. Right? I, I, and I, I, I just think it's really fragile. First of all, yesterday's a perfect example of it. I got up just like you did. I walked downstairs, and I looked outside, I said, this snow is beautiful. It put a smile on my face that lasted right up until the moment I picked up my shovel. 
and all of a sudden the feelings of happiness dissipated, right? And so, right, so, so yesterday's a good example of it. There's nothing wrong with being happy. Here's what I want to encourage you with. Don't make it the pursuit of your whole life. Don't make achieving and finding happiness the pursuit of your whole life because it is fragile. Here's what I want to say to you. Pursue Jesus. Pursue his life and his righteousness. Pursue perseverance. And Jesus will show up and he will bless. Even when it's, sometimes it's hard. Even when you're confronted with your sin and you're forced to look at it. Sometimes when you know, you're sitting at a church service, somebody will point something out, that's me. And you're forced to look at your sin and it's uncomfortable and it's hard and it doesn't make me happy. Don't run away from that. Don't run away from that. Look at your sin and then look to Jesus who provides grace and you will have blessing. Even when you realize that you have not been pursuing righteousness, that you've been pursuing your own way, that can be hard to hear and hard to look at. Don't run away from it. Don't run away from it. Look at it, absorb it, and and repent and turn and follow Jesus, and you will receive blessing. So Jesus wants to bless our life. And the question is, how does that blessing come? And I want you to say a couple things. Put this one on the screen for you. First of all, blessing comes from a relationship with Jesus. Right? Remember the man on his deathbed giving out his inheritance? This is an image of Jesus, who before he died, preached this sermon and articulated his inheritance for his children. And so blessing comes from and flows through a relationship with Jesus. So I want to encourage you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, make, get that taken care of this new year. Right? Express your faith in him, because blessing comes from him. But there's another interesting part of this. These are blessings that come from a relationship with Jesus, but they are also traits that Jesus, through his spirit, develops in us. All right? So we have a relationship with Jesus, and as we develop that relationship with Jesus, as we learn about him in his word, as we sing songs to him in church, as we go to classes and kind of learn more about Jesus, like I said, as we read our Bible, out of that relationship, his Holy Spirit begins to develop these traits in us, right? And so as you get to know Jesus, you become more poor in spirit. You find yourself more aware of sin. You hunger and thirst for his righteousness more. You're more merciful, pure, and peacemaking. Those things flow from a relationship with Jesus and through the work of his spirit as his spirit does this work uh, in us. So I want you to see how great Jesus is in all this. Here's what he's saying to you. He's saying to you, through my spirit, I want to develop some attitudes and characteristics in you, all right? So come to me, Jesus says, get to know me, receive my Holy Spirit, and I want to develop in you some attitudes and characteristics. And then look at what Jesus says. Then he says, and now I'm going to bless you for having those attitudes and characteristics that I developed in you. If you can find a deal better than that, you should take it. Right? I just think Jesus is absolutely amazing with this. He says, come to me, relate to me, I'll give you my Holy Spirit, I'll develop these traits in you, and then I'm going to bless you for the very traits that I developed in you. That, that is an amazing thing. It's, uh, I'm going to bless you for being the person that I made you to be. I, I was trying to think of an illustration of this, and this is the best thing I could come up with, but it's not great, but it, it's close. But I thought about like a father who says to his son, Uh, his son is getting a D in math, and his father wants to see him raise his grades. Um, It would be like a father saying to his son, hey, if you can raise your grade to a B, from a D to a B, at the end of the school year, we're going to go to Disney World. And the son has such a desire to go to Disney World, but math is just not his thing. 
He's just not good at it. And so he says, man, I want to go to Disney World. I don't believe I can raise my grade. And so the father says, no, we'll do it together. And the father begins to work with him every night on his math. The father hires a tutor to help him. The father helps him with his homework every night. They meet with the teacher weekly, and they go after it together. And the son finally gets his report card, and it's a B. Right? Now, some would say the way that story should go, that grace is, hey, if you raise your grade from a D to a B, we'll go to Disney World. And the son gets a D anyway, and the father says, guess what? We're still going to Disney World. Right? Some would say that's grace, and it certainly is. But I think this is grace too. That, hey, if you raise from a D to a B, we're going to go to Disney World, and I'm going to do everything in my power, everything in my effort to help you be, uh, to, to help you be the person that I know you, you can be. This is grace too. It's a father who goes to extraordinary efforts to help the son reach a potential that he didn't know was possible. And this is what Jesus says in us. Yes, he forgives our sin. Please don't hear me denigrating that at all. He forgives our sin when, he falls, when we fall short. But he also goes to these extraordinary links, extraordinary links, to help us reach a potential that we didn't even know was possible. And that's grace too. Jesus is the father in the story, helping us and urging us and working with us and giving us an example and all of, of that stuff. He goes to extraordinary efforts to help us reach our potential and then blesses us for reaching our potential, right? Blesses us when we, when we live different lives. So you say, well, what is our role in that? It sounds like this is very Jesus-centered, and it is. This flows from and through a relationship with Jesus. So say, like, I do nothing, do I just sit back and Jesus magically, this sounds like magic, doesn't it? He magically develops these traits in us and then blesses us for having the traits he developed in us? Do we do absolutely nothing? No, we have a role as well. All right, in the illustration I just shared with you, we show up with the tutor. We join the father in his work. Let me say it another way. I've, I've used this phrasing before and I, I, um, I wanna use it in this sermon as well. I think we have a responsibility to position ourselves for blessing. I think we have a responsibility to position ourselves for blessing, that we join the Father in his work. We join the Father in what he's trying to do. And here's, um, here's what I mean by that. While, while it's true that God wants to create and birth all of this stuff in, in us, there is stuff we, we can do as people, there are stuff we can do and stuff we can not do that makes that an easy or difficult process for the Spirit. So let me give you a few examples. God has this desire to birth in us purity. As you draw closer to Jesus, you're going to determine, he wants me to be pure in heart. He really does. He wants to see me be a pure person. And so what does it look like for me to join him in that work? What, what does it look like for me to potentially make that difficult, right? What, what, what does that look like? Well, he wants to make me pure in heart, but I can make that difficult to him by uh, engaging in relationships I shouldn't engage with, being, engaging in flirtation that I shouldn't engage with. I've, engage with. Some people, uh, I've seen them kind of sabotage this by being on the internet too much when, when, they, when they have a problem or, uh, like I said, engaging in flirtatious behavior. God wants us to be pure. He wants to develop in a, that in us, but we can join him in the work or we can almost sabotage the work. God has the desire for us to mourn over our sin and the sin of the world but we can make that so difficult when we stick our head in the sand and we don't pay attention to what's going on in our life or in the lives of the people around us. When, we are, when our sin is pointed out to us and refuse to look at it, 
it can make it hard. God has the desire to birth in us peacemaking. It's hard to accomplish when we uh, ignore every conflict that comes our way or we passively, aggressively gossip about the person that's made us angry. And you get the point, right? That Jesus wants to do this work. He wants to bring us blessing. He wants to help us reach our potential and then bless our lives. He wants to do that, but we play a role in this and we can position ourselves for blessing or at times we can almost sabotage the work God is trying to do. So am I positioned for blessing? Am I in a place where the Spirit can do this work, where I'm spending time with Jesus on a regular basis, where I'm refusing to run away? Am I engaging in the work that he wants to do to bless my life? Max Lucado, I read this years ago, he used this illustration He said, imagine you come across a fish that's washed up on the beach. And this poor little fish is miserable. And he can't breathe and he's gasping for breath, you know, the way that fish do. And you say, man, you are an unhappy little fish. And you go out and you get him an umbrella and a book to read and a little something to drink. But gosh, that fish still doesn't look happy. Right? He's still laying on that beach gasping for breath. And so you go, well, you must be lonely. So you go and you get that fish's five closest friends and they can't cheer the fish up at all. Uh, So then you go and you get him a magazine hoping that will do something and you bring him a couple buckets full of money so he can buy whatever he wants. And what is the problem? He won't be happy, he won't be satisfied until he is where he needs to be, which is in the water. He's not positioned for blessing. And so I want to challenge us this morning. We know from Scripture that God wants to bless us. He does. That he he has a desire to bless us. That's really not a question. I think the text I read today demonstrates that again and again. Jesus says, I want to develop this stuff in you. Then I want to bless you for for being the way that I've developed you to be. Um, But we can position ourselves to make that work easy, or we can position ourselves to make that work hard this winter. Are you positioned for blessing? All right? Do you have a relationship with Jesus that is strong? Are you spending time in his word where he can bring sin to you and he can bring about ways that you can hunger and thirst for righteousness where he can point out that maybe you're not peacemaking the way he's called you to or uh, you're not doing relationships? Are you spending time in his word? Are you spending time with him? Um, And is there anything, is there anything that you're skirting up to the line on where Jesus is saying, if you take too many more steps, this is going to be real hard for me, right? You're sabotaging the work I'm trying to do. Is there anything that comes to your mind right now where Jesus would say that to you? Financially, relationally, there's a relationship that you're kind of skirting with at work that is maybe inappropriate. Internet, is there anything where, where you are hurting the work the Spirit wants to do in your life? All right, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you uh, for your word and uh, we do know that you, uh, you want to bless our lives. Uh, you do. I know that you bring blessing. And um, this is an amazing thing that you have promised us in your word. That through your spirit, through your spirit, you will help us reach our potential as people. Through the spirit, you will do that. And then you will bless us. You'll develop these traits in us. And then bless us for having the traits that you developed. It's an amazing thing, but we know we play a role here. Um, And we know we can make this hard, and we know we can make this easier. And so would you just, in this room right now, if there is a sin uh, that we are getting close to, 
if there's a sin that we are flirting with, if there is a way in which we are standing in your way in any way, would you bring that to our heart right now and to our mind? And would you remind us that you are calling us to reach our potential and that you want to help us to do that? And the best thing we can do right now is to maybe turn away from that thing and turn back to you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his grace. We thank you for his work. None of this is possible without Jesus. And so we're grateful. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. We are going to spend some time right now uh, receiving communion. And it's an opportunity to remember uh, the work that Jesus wants to do. uh, And how he empowers us to live different lives. uh, Through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Right? So his death and burial reminds us of the forgiveness of sins that we receive when we fall short. That anytime we fail, anytime we cross that line, grace is available to us. His resurrection is a reminder that there is so much power available to us to live the lives we were created to live. So we're going to receive it. You'll find two cups stacked on top of each other. Uh, One has some bread representing Jesus' body. Uh, The other has some juice representing uh, his blood. And we're just going to thank him for a sacrifice, thank him for what he does to help us reach uh, our potential as people. And uh, then I'll come back up in just a minute and we'll, we'll take it together as a church family.